thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Open your Bibles back up to Numbers chapter 22. Numbers chapter 22 as we continue in our summer sermon series of my face talking donkey. So uh, there have been a lot of moments in life that uh, have been strange and interesting for me, but I don't think I've ever had a moment that was as strange and interesting as this moment in Balaam's life. I, I know that I have heard a lot of people say things to me that I wish they would have kept to themselves. I've had a lot of people say things that really just caught me off guard, but never have I had a donkey speak to me. Anybody had that moment in their life? None of you. Good. I see who's paying attention. Sometimes you just ask people to raise their hand and those who aren't paying attention, hands just kind of go up. Uh, to me, through this story is that God wants us, all right? God wants us. God wants us to be a part of his will, his direction, his way. And, and God will go to extraordinary lengths to get our attention in hopes that we will follow him. And, and that's not just a story from Balaam. That's a story from all of Scripture in particular and, and one that we're going to kind of look at tonight as we kind of take a little bit deeper step into this particular idea is Luke chapter 15. In Luke chapter 15, you have three different stories, and the whole focus of those stories is coming back to God. God wants you. He wants you to be here, wants you to be a part of his family. And so that's kind of an overreaching theme of this lesson that we'll touch on a little bit today and a little bit deeper tonight. But I want you to have that mindset going in because it's easy to get... Um, it's easy to get lost in all the different things that are going on in the story. The angel, the Lord, the talking donkey. But the whole point of it all is what? God saying, hey, I want you to be about me. I want you to follow me. I want you to come and, and, and be part of what I'm doing. And that's what God wants for all of us this morning. So let's, let's kind of just read through this text together and break it down and talk about some different things with one another. Well, we'll We'll kind of set the stage. Gary read the first part of it. We'll set the stage um, starting in chapter 22 in verse 1. Then the Israelites traveled to the plains of Moab and camped along the Jordan or the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, son of Zippor, saw that Israel saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was terrified because there were so many people. Indeed, Moab was filled with dread because of the Israelites. Now if you rewind to the Exodus, if you rewind to the Exodus, the Exodus tells us that 600,000 men plus women, children, and livestock left the nation of Egypt in the Exodus. They will, the scholars say that that was somewhere roughly estimated between a million and a half people. That's a lot of people, isn't it? A million and a half people. You're looking at an entire nation and all of their belongings are wandering around and wandering through. And, and as you read the story of, as you read the story of the wandering, there are some skirmishes and some fights and different things going on, even as they're coming in and taking over um, the promised land. We read some of that too. But the thing is, is if you saw a million and a half people coming toward your town, toward your city, toward what you owned, how would you feel? Would you get a little nervous? And this king here of Moab, he's, he's getting kind of nervous 
about everything that's going on. And so he gets everybody together and they have a powwow. What are we going to do? And enter stage left, this man by the name of Balaam. Balaam was, uh, I guess what you could call maybe a witch doctor. He was a sorcerer of some point, of some sort. You could say that maybe religion was his job, but it wasn't his lifestyle. And what he would do is you would call him onto the scene. And if you wanted something great to happen, you would call him in to bless everything that was going on. But if you wanted a curse or a hex put on somebody, you called Balaam in. And so Balaam, basically his job was, hey, whatever pays me the most money here in this moment, I'm going to kind of go in that direction. If it's a blessing, it's a blessing. If it's a curse, it's a curse. So Balaam's a really interesting figure here because as we see throughout the rest of the story, there is an understanding of Balaam between Balaam and God, okay? There's an understanding here that, that God is powerful and God is almighty. He has, to some degree, some respect for that relationship, but he also has a desire to make money and just do what's best for Balaam. And so this, this whole story kind of, uh, we're going to see that there is, and I think that this happens within each and every one of us, there is always an internal struggle between respecting God and doing what God wants me to do and following my own desires and following my own way. Paul says this, he says, what I want to do, I can't do, you know, and what I can do, I don't want to do sometimes. Paul says that Paul understood that there is, there is struggles in the flesh, that God's way is the best way, God's way is the greatest way, God's way is the only way that leads to salvation. But sometimes we're stubborn. Anybody in here stubborn? The stubborn ones won't raise their hand, you know. Some of you are about to get knocked out into the pew, out of the aisle from your pew. We all have this kind of back and forth sometimes, and we're going to see this. Let's pick up, um, let's pick up in verse 9. I think we stopped our, our reading around in this area. But God came to Balaam. So they've already come to Balaam, and they've said, hey, look, we're going to give you this money. Come and do this for us, okay? So God came to Balaam and asked, who are these men with you? Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent me this message, a people that has come out of Egypt, covers the face of the land. Now come and put a curse on them for me. Perhaps when I will be, perhaps then I will be able to fight them and drive them away. But God said to Balaam, do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. The next morning, Balaam got up and said to Balak's officials, go back to your own country for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. So the Moabite officials returned to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. Then Balak sent other officials, more numerous and more distinguished than the first. Then they came to Balaam and said, This is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me, because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people for me. Now, I think we're seeing, we're seeing a temptation pattern here, okay? So... They come with their first offer. Come and curse these people so that we can have success and I will give you X amount of money. And he has this conversation with God, comes to the conclusion, I'm going to do things God's way because he says these people are blessed, have nothing to do with them. And he goes back and says, hey, look, I, this isn't me. I'm not doing this for you because God says this. This is what Satan does. Satan goes, hey, look, you're following God, huh? That's great. Let me up the ante a little bit. Let me give you a little more. 
And what does it say that he did? He says that the Moabite king, he said he sent more men. And what kind of men in particular? More distinguished men. I'm sure the king's thinking, hey, this guy's just trying to barter a little bit. Let me make him feel special. Let me, sh- let me just show him everything. That- let me just put all the cards on the table. And he comes back, he says, don't let, e-. hey, it's a blank check. Sign it, whatever you want, sign it. And Satan does that to us. Satan comes in and says, hey, you think what God has to offer you is great? We were talking about this in our class this morning, all the way back to the very first sin of Adam and Eve, that that he offers Adam and Eve truth without consequences. He says, look, eat this and you'll be like God. Was there some truth to that? Yes. Did he explain to them the consequences of that truth? No. He says, hey, look, I'm going to give you something that you could never imagine. But anytime temptation looks like it's beyond your wildest dreams, understand that on the other side of those wild dreams is a truth and a consequence that Satan's not wanting you to see. And, and that's what he's doing to Balaam here. He's saying, hey, look, let me up the ante, let me up the ante here. Let me, let, me, let me play to your, to your greed, to your selfishness a little bit. Let me, let me play to this. But Balaam answered them, back in verse 18, even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. He's moving in the right direction, right? So far, so good, right? Now, spend the night here so that I can find out what else my Lord will tell me. This is really the moment of the story that everything goes off the rails. It's easy to look forward and focus on the story of of the talking donkey. But this is the pivotal moment of the story. This is the moment where Balaam goes, I know what God wants, and I know what I want. Let's see if I can get God to see things my way. Hey, look, thank you for your offer. I've been told not to do this, but let me talk to God again and let me see if I could convince him to see things my way. Have any of you ever been guilty of that? Hey, God, I know, I, I know what you've told me. I know that you said that this direction is best, but look, what Satan is offering over here, this temptation, this lifestyle, all this stuff, it looks so good. So do you think maybe... Maybe I could just do it my way and everything would be okay. We do that with God sometimes, don't we? We, we try to rationalize. We try to, to make my thoughts and my plans fit into God's thoughts and God's plans. And most of the time, if not all the time, but I would say definitely most of the time, when we try to put our plans in the middle of God's plans, how do those plans go? They usually turn up going south pretty quick, don't they? And so that's where he's really struggling right here. That night, God came to Balaam and said, since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but do only what I tell you. Do only what I tell you. So God comes and says, hey, this is what we're going to do. Balaam got up the next morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went. Let's stop right there for a second because there might seem to be a little bit of a disconnect here. Maybe a little, you know, well, didn't God say go, but why is he mad all of a sudden? And, and, I, and I think that's a fair question. 
God told him to go, right? God told him go, but what was the condition of his going? Do what I what? Do what I say. Do what I tell you to do. And I believe that the reason that now from verse 20 to verse 21 that God gets mad is because he, I, I don't think it's necessarily said, but I think you can imply this is just Matthew kind of commentary here, that maybe he got up that morning and he had really given in to that personal desire. He was going to go and he was going to do what he wanted to do. But in his mind, what is it? Well, God said for me to go. God told me to go, but he was going with the wrong motives. He was going in the wrong direction. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 15, I think, fleshes this out a little bit. As Peter is writing about people who displease God, he mentions Balaam. He says, they, go, they, they have gone off the road and become lost like Balaam, who fell in love with the money he could make by doing wrong. And so he had made his mind up, I'm going to go. Hey, I've got God's permission to go. I'm going to go and do my own thing. He had rationalized that sin in his mind. And so he's going to go do his own thing. But God was very angry when he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it to get back on the road. Let's stop right here for just a second because we get an image of this story that is, is, is we get the God view for a second. And what I mean by that is as we're reading the story, even if it's your first time to ever hear this story, you're seeing everything that's going on, right? You realize from the telling of the story that the donkey can see what? The angel. Do you understand why the donkey went off the side of the... If an armed man, an armed spiritual being with a sword drawn showed up in front of you, what are you going to do? Who's not going to go the other way? Anybody? But I also understand Balaam. Let's just let's under, let's, let's put ourselves in Balaam's shoes for a moment. What is the only thing that he thinks is going on here? That his donkey is what? Not doing what it's supposed to do. Are donkeys known for being smart animals to begin with? They're, they're not on up the list of the smartest animals. So he's frustrated. Okay, he's frustrated. But this is what happens with sin. Sin usually leads to more what? Sin. Sin usually leads us in a direction of more negativity in our life. So now I've disobeyed God. I've rationalized going, but ultimately I'm disobeying God because my heart's not in the right place. And now this donkey's not doing what it's supposed to do. So he, he begins to beat this donkey back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord, verse 24, stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. Same thing. We understand why the donkey's doing what it's doing. We understand maybe why Balaam's doing what he's doing. But one thing you see through this story is his aggravation level. He's let that negativity into his heart, and it is growing stronger and stronger and having more and more outward effects. Then the angel of the Lord, verse 26, moved on ahead and stood in the narrow place where there was no room to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it laid under Balaam. And he was angry and beat it with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and it said to Balaam, what have you done or what have I done to you 
to make you beat me these three times. Balaam answered the donkey, you have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to him, am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been, um, have I, have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Sin will make us do crazy things. Sin will make us do crazy things. If you're walking down the road and a donkey starts talking to you, what's your response going to be? <laughs> this is not happening. Isn't that going to be your response? I have eaten something. Something has got, I, I, I've gotten a hold of something bad, and it's causing problems. See, sin had taken this man to the point. It started off, hey, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. Oh, there's a better offer. There's a better offer. I'm going to rationalize this sin in my heart, and I'm going to go. God said to go. I'm going to go, but I'm going to do things my way, and I'm getting more angry and more angry and more angry to the point that my sin or his sin has made him irrational. So what's he doing? He's having a conversation with a donkey. Sin will make you do crazy things. Sin will take you to a place that you rationalize everything that's going on as okay, but from the outside, when you really see the big picture, what do you realize? I'm in such a mess. I'm in such a mess. And we're going we're to read some more of the story, but I, I wonder, I wonder if one night, two nights, three nights later, Balaam sat down, maybe laid in his bed, and just replayed these events. Because I think that's human nature to replay and to think, man, I was so wrong. I messed up so bad. I wonder if he had those moments where he just sat and re This would have been a story I'd have told all the rest of my life. But I wonder if he thought about these things that way. Verse 31, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with the sword drawn so he bowed low and fell face down. I love that response. I love that response. You see, God has the ability, God has the habit sometimes of when we are at our, we think it's our highest point, okay? He thought he was way on up. All these officials had shown up, all these dignitaries. All, I am walking on cloud nine, but his sin had really taken him to a low point. But God shows up and he humbles him. He opens his eyes to what's going on. He's taught him his lesson. And he's opened his eyes and he said, look, here is this angel right here in front of him. He's ready to kill you. That, that's what this angel had been sent there to do. But it, 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 he finds the humbleness that we always need in repentance. You see, humility has to come before repentance ever takes place. We have to realize that God is greater than us, more powerful than us, that his way is the way that we need to be. We have to bow before him face down in, in our struggles. And the angel of the Lord asked him, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is reckless, is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from these three times. If I had not, if, if it had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I would have spared it. God's an animal lover, Patty. This one's for you. God's an animal lover. He says, look, this guy was here to hurt you, not the donkey. The donkey's got more sense 
than you do. Verse 3 or 4, Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now if you are displeased, I will go back. That happens to us in sin sometimes. That our sin has got us so blind to everything that's going on around us that we miss God. We miss what God's trying to do. We miss that God's trying to get our attention and say, you're sinning, you're messing up, but I still want you. I still want you to be a part of this. I still want good things to happen. I still want this relationship to work. But for it to work, you're going to have to open your eyes. You're going to have to humble yourself. You're going to have to repent. And ultimately, that's what he does. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, Go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went to Balak's officials. We get back to it bookends. Okay, verse, um, verse 35 bookends exactly with verse 20. What God wanted out of Balaam never changed, did it? Go with them and speak what? What I tell you to. Where does the issue happen when he decides, I'm going to go with you, but do what I want to do? But then repentance brings him back around to what? Brings him back around to God's desire and God's will. And he repeats, go with these guys but do only what I want you to do. I'm going to give you three quick things as kind of a preview to what we're going to talk about tonight because tonight in our, in our rewind, our rewind, our replug session, we're going to take a step further into this and we're going to talk about these three things. When temptation comes your way, run from it. We're going to talk about temptation and how to avoid it. We're going to talk about uh, when God gets your attention, listen up. And when God tells you something, just do it. We're going to take some practical approaches to this story. We're seeing the overall spiritual side of it. Now tonight, how do I take the spiritual side and, and make it very practical in my life? So come back and be with us tonight at 6 o'clock for, for that kind of conversation that we're going to have together. Listen, we all struggle. We all have these moments where, where we say, God, I'm going to do it your way, but I'm also going to kind of add my own flair to it. And maybe that's a struggle of yours today. And I want you to know that this story is for you. This story was, was, was given to you today for the purpose of God saying, hey, I want you to be part of me. I want to have this relationship with you, but please humble yourself and, and come back home to me. Let's go to God in prayer and the lesson will be yours. God, I thank you so much for today and all that it means and all that um, all that today stands for for us as a people in this country. It is great to be free, uh, something that I think that we don't truly understand because it is um, something that we've just always had, freedom. And we're grateful that we were just born into it, God. But above that, God, we thank you for a relationship with you that gives us not just Freedom in an earthly way, but, but freedom from sin, God. Freedom from bondage, freedom from Satan, freedom from things that will limit us and, and control us, God. We just pray that uh, in moments of struggle, in moments that we, we turn and try to do things our way, that, that you will open our eyes, that will we'll allow you to get our attention, and that we can come back to you, that we can have a humble heart, and that we can have great service with you and through you, God. 
We thank you so much for this church family. Thank you for each and every family member in it. Um, just can bless us. Uh, help us to always look for your way above everything else and to follow that way, God. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember, we are a church of Christ caring for its community. Amen.